an otherwise happy family has to deal with a haunting noise echoing through their house. And then we travel to Oklahoma to meet two men out on a mission. As feral hogs are tearing up the landscape, these two men are sent out to end the menace. However, they quickly realize there is something much more fierce in those woods. Something they can't explain. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Ace Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a lot of stuff to cover today, so first off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Everyone give a big round of applause for Robert Reith. Woohoo, yeah, walk on in, buddy! Come on in! Come on into Dead Rabbit Command! I don't know why I sound like some hillbilly. People are like, I don't want to come into your Dead Rabbit Command. What is that, a shack? Robert, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Robert, I'm going to go ahead and give you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to a house in the suburbs. This story, we don't have an exact location. We don't have an exact time period. It was posted online by someone using the handle... Careless event 8675. We're going to go ahead and call her Becky. And Becky says, listen, life is pretty good. Not to brag, not to brag, but life is going pretty good for me and my family. And it's quite the big family. You have me, Becky, or you have her husband, and then five kids aged 13 to one. So that's a lot of people. And on top of that, Literally on top of the one-year-old every time the baby goes to sleep are two Siamese cats. The saga that Becky lays out is for the past three or four months, her and her husband have been hearing this very... On the one hand, it's an extremely bizarre noise. And on the other hand, it's something you would expect to hear once in a while in a family of seven. She says it usually happens between 10 p.m., and 2 a.m., so this is a late-night phenomenon. She says, me and my husband will be up watching television. All of our kids are asleep, or at the very least, in their rooms. The way Becky wrote this out was really interesting. Like, she knew people were going to be like, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. And she wrote it out like, this is the reason why it's not that. This is the reason why it's not that. She goes, what will happen is Becky and her husband will be out on the couch watching television. And this only happens late at night. It doesn't happen during the day. All of a sudden, they begin to hear the sound of somebody crying. She says, not only is it the sound of someone crying, it is the sound of sobbing, echoing through the house. Now, every single time it happens, because they have five children... One or both of the parents would get up and go to the kids' room to see what it is because you hear someone crying. And again, it's that painful, sobbing noise. And they'd get up and they would check on all the kids. And the kids would either be asleep 
or the you know the older ones the 13 year old maybe kind of trying to stay up late or whatever but it wouldn't be them it was never them crying and then becky and her husband would go back down in the living room and a couple of nights will pass and then they'll hear that deep mournful sobbing and it's so loud And so worrisome that each time Becky and her husband would get up to check. Now, the kids in their rooms could not hear this noise. And I think that's the first thing that was starting to clue the parents off that this may not be a natural phenomenon. Obviously, if your little brother is sobbing in his room, everyone would hear that, especially the people whose rooms are next to him. But only the parents were hearing it. And she goes, listen, again, to clear all debunking possible, she goes, it's not the children. We know it's not the kids. There's no TVs in their room, so it's not like they're they're watching the crying channel. When we go in and check, their tablets are all off, so it's not like some YouTube video on a loop. She says there are no baby monitors in the house, so we're not getting interference from other, like maybe there's a baby in the house next door. And it's crying all the time, super loud, super loud. No, we're not getting any interference from baby monitors. All the technology in their rooms. We know it's not our television because we're watching a show and then the house is echoing with the sobbing. And she goes, listen, I know because I have two Siamese cats that Siamese cats, when they cry, can sound human. I'm going to have I should fact check that. I should watch some YouTube videos. Of cats screeching, Siamese cats screeching. She goes, I know Siamese cats can sometimes sound like they're human. However, we know it's not the cats because the cats are either in the living room with us when the noise happens or they're sleeping in the kitchen. I guess there's like a heating vent over there. So she goes, it's not coming from the kitchen and that's where the cats are. And it's when the cats are with us, we know it's not them. So... She says this crying when it happens, and she says it doesn't happen every night, but she says once or twice a week, which is pretty, I mean, again, every time you hear this, you have to check on the kids. You have to make sure that it's not them. While the children never hear it in the rooms, there is one time that our 13-year-old heard it. The 13-year-old was staying up late with them one night. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but the 13-year-old is up one night with the parents in the living room late after 10. And that is when all three of them heard the loud sobbing coming from somewhere in the house. When the 13-year-old is in bed, though, when the 13-year-old is in the bedroom, they can't hear it at all. Every other single time this has happened, none of the children hear it until one of the older ones was in the living room with the parents. And Becky goes, it's actually, she goes, now, it didn't start off this way, but now we're starting to hear this. She's making it extra terrifying, right? It's already the sound of someone crying from somewhere in the house. Becky says, sometimes we'll hear the door to my daughter's bedroom opening and closing while this crying is going on an interesting phenomenon but it gets even creepier because while a phantom deeply sobbing in your house would be unsettling at the least 
It gets creepier than that. Becky says this all started. So this has been going on, like she said, for about three or four months. There was actually a phenomenon that manifested three years ago. And then there was nothing until the past three or four months where they have this crying from somewhere inside the house. She said three years ago, Becky was at home with her daughter, who was two at the time. And this might be the same daughter whose bedroom door is opening. She didn't specify that, but she said, I don't know if she has all boys and just the one girl, but Becky said at this particular moment three years ago, she was at home alone with her daughter, who was only two at the time, when all of a sudden, both of them heard this, all of a sudden, they both heard what sounded like a child crying very loudly. But she describes it in a very interesting way. Let me read this to you. She goes, quote, We both heard the sudden and extremely loud sound of what I can only describe as something or someone pretending, super interesting, something or someone pretending to cry like a baby. I know that sounds weird, but it's the only way I can describe it. Imagine a grown adult, almost mockingly, pretending to cry like a newborn. That's what it sounded like. Unquote. So she didn't hear... <laughs> the sound like a baby crying. She heard... A boo -hoo -hoo, boo -hoo. Like an adult trying to sound like a baby. And that, that is a creepier element to it. If you just heard a child crying in your house, that's one thing. But there's almost a sinisterness to this. Mockingly sounding like a baby crying, she took her daughter and she left. She's like, I'm not being in this house. She left and she said, for the next couple of days, I refused, refused to be on that house without my husband. I was terrified of her own home. I refused to be there. There is a, a sinisterness to it. The fact that this thing was trying to, and first off, failing to perfectly imitate a human child crying and get in that mocking fashion. But over time, it's like it learned how to do it. Remember the first time it scared Becky out of the house. That was the first thing that happened. But now it is so perfect a mimic, right? It so perfectly sounds like a child crying that now... Once or twice a week, they check on their kids, even though they know that this phenomenon is happening over and over again, right? They know that there's something weird going on in the house. It sounds so perfect to a child crying. They have to check. It's creepy. It's a really interesting story, right? We have this... I mean, I guess we're we're attaching a level of sinisterness to it, but what else could it be? You figured if it was a ghost of a child crying, then it would just be, they would have gotten it right the first time, right? Because it's a ghost, so ch children know how to cry. And then, unfortunately, one of the worst sentences you can say, a child dies. 
Its ghost would also know how to perfectly cry, but this is something else. It's really interesting. It's almost like it's making the crying noises and it's testing the parents. And at one point, they'll go, there's the crying again. Let's not check on the kids. We know it's none of the kids. We've checked every single time. We won't check tonight. We'll just let the sound fade out. What happens then? What happens when they get tired of getting up each time they hear the crying noise and they decide to not check on their children? What happens then? It's an interesting story. I really, really am glad that I came across it. And thank you, Careless Event 8675, for posting that on the internet. It's a really creepy one. Robert Reith, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We are saying goodbye to this family and their two Siamese cats. We pet them a little bit before we leave. The cats, not the family. Take us up, up, and away from this haunted house, and Robert, fly us all the way out to Oklahoma. Specifically, this is really cool because unlike the last story, and like unlike a lot of stories we cover on the show, we have a very specific location for this. In Oklahoma, we're headed out to West Cache Creek. It is over by the North Red River. You and, and I'll say this, you know the story takes place in the middle of nowhere where we are given no cities or towns for reference. We're basically like, go to the creek. Go to the creek, son. That's where this story took place. We really are out in the middle of nowhere for this story, but we can, we do know it takes place nearby West Cache Creek, just north of the Red River. This story was posted anonymously, but we're going to go ahead and call the person who's posting the story Toby. And Toby is a rancher up in Oklahoma. And he gets a call from his neighbor slash rancher, Bruce. And Bruce goes, hey, Toby, I got a bit of a problem here. We got to go feral hog hunting. That actually sounds fun. That sounds super fun. That's not a problem, Bruce. If anything, it sounds like an opportunity to shoot monsters, right? What could be more monstrous than a feral hog? Toby, they're destroying my field. These feral hogs keep coming onto my property. They're tearing everything up. We got to take care of these things. Now, in Oklahoma, apparently it's not only legal to hunt feral hogs, it's encouraged because these guys are a menace, right? They're feral. If they were tamed hogs, you could ride them around your farm and say, giddy up. But if they're not, they got big old tusks and stuff like that. If you're imagining Porky Pig, you're wrong. It's imagine Porky Pig with tusks on all, all fours and he's not wearing a jacket and he's trying to kill you. That's a feral hog. And they're, they're like, Jason, at no point in the story did I imagine Porky Pig. Or that these things were nice at all. They're called feral hogs. Anyways, Toby and Bruce, they grab their infrared scopes. They got their rifles ready. They're about to have a really fun night hunting monsters in the woods. Now again, to show how remote this is, Bruce and Toby are neighbors. Toby loads up his ATV into his car and drives 40 miles, 40 miles away is where his neighbor is 
He drives 40 miles away to get to Bruce's house. And he's like, hey, Bruce, you ready to go shoot a living creature in the brain? And Bruce is like, yeah, you had me at brain. Yes, let's go hunt down these feral hogs. So they get out their rifles, they got their thermal scopes, and they get on they get on an ATV. They're driving off towards a nearby wooded area. That's where they believe that these feral hogs are going to be hanging out. It's nighttime because that's when feral hogs are most active. They drive out towards West Cache Creek. And then they shut off the ATV, and now it's time to go on foot. So they're walking along the creek, and they walk quite a good distance, and then they take up positions behind a fallen log. And they just sat there in the darkness. They're just waiting for something to show up. Something hog-like. <laughs> All of a sudden, Porky Pig's walking by. He's like, what? I'm in the real world. I'm going to be late for the Space Jam. They're looking for not animated characters or just any movement whatsoever. They're not blowing everything away that's alive. They're waiting for the telltale signs of a feral hog. Probably winking would be one of those signs. <laughs> wearing, wearing a jacket. They're waiting there. And Toby goes, we were there for about 30 minutes just chilling. Probably talking about hog-related stuff? I don't know how hot dogs are made. Anyways, suddenly, the calm night is shattered. Shattered by screaming. That's not the exact voice that they heard. It's not an audio file that was sent over by Toby. They hear the screaming, but it doesn't sound like a hog. They can't really place it. At first, they think cougar. The noise that this was making was so deep and guttural, they figured it might be a cougar. And then when they begin hearing a hog squealing, (laughs) this hog squealing just to the right of them, they go, oh, we might be watching a clash of the titans. A cougar may be attacking a feral hog right now. Who will win? I mean, we will in the end. We both have guns and thermal scopes. We're going to blow one or both of these animals away. But it'll be interesting to watch a cougar attack a feral hog. Toby says he he looks through the thermal scopes attached to the rifle. He lifts his rifle up and he's now looking through the thermal scope to where he hears the noise. And what he sees is no cougar. He sees a hog. He surely sees a feral hog under attack. Its squealing's echoing through the wilderness. But then he sees what he can only gauge, right? He's looking through this thermal scope. He goes, I see what most people would describe as a werewolf. (laughs) I'm not going to call it a werewolf. Toby says, I'm not going to call it a werewolf because I'm a grown adult living in modern times America. The term often used, werewolf sounds so childish, the the term often used, and I found this on phantomsandmonsters.com. Again, guys, it's a great website. I know I've been talking a lot about them. They haven't bought advertising space on the podcast. I just really love them. We've been covering a lot of their stuff lately. It's a really good website. 
the term usually used today is dogman or dogman, but it's basically a werewolf. What he's looking at is an eight to ten foot tall dogman. Not, not, not the series of books your kids are reading. It's basically this fear. It's a werewolf. It's this eight to ten foot tall werewolf. It's standing on two legs. It's covered in head to toe with hair or fur. It looks like a human or a Bigfoot, really, except its head is that of a dog or a wolf. It has a very dog-like snout. This one also had a pretty long beard. It's This is a pretty heavy metal-looking monster. <laughs> when you're reading an article about it, when you would be standing there, really the only protection between them and this hog-attacking monster, remember they're just hiding behind a fallen tree, and he looks over and he sees this 8-10 to 10 foot tall beast fighting with this hog, and fighting is a bit of an understatement. The wolfman has this hog, and he goes, listen, this thing had to be at least 250 pounds, at least, the hog. He goes, I watched this wolf man pick up this feral pig, and it was squealing. It was squealing in the grasp of this werewolf, and he's just holding it there. And then, with barely a care in the world, with almost no effort required, this giant monstrosity standing in the darkness ripped the hog in two steaming piles of hog guts falling on the ground i've seen it all through my thermal i saw exactly how warm the guts were he ripped this hog in half and then threw both pieces onto the ground and then the dog man towering over everything else in the area turns and begins to walk towards Toby and Bruce. Toby had his rifle ready. He's looking through the thermal scope and he's seeing this creature and it's walking towards them, but he couldn't pull the trigger. I couldn't pull the trigger. I wanted to. I was thinking about it. But I physically couldn't move my finger and fire a shot. He just couldn't do it. It was like he was frozen. Just then, he set a massive log... He estimated it about 30 feet long. I mean, which is huge, right? At that point, it's not a log. It's just a fallen tree. A 30-foot-long fallen tree comes flying towards them. He goes, this thing was so huge, it was about 30 feet long, maybe 3 feet thick, is flying right towards them, and it flies right over Toby and Bruce's heads. At that point, Toby took off running, and Bruce took off after him. There's no words given. There's no on the count of three. Let's run for the ATV. Toby just felt it and he just took off running. And Bruce was right behind him. They get on the ATV. They peel out. And speed off. 
from the sighting of this creature, he said, man, we were going so fast. We were going 60 miles an hour, which was the top speed that he could go on this thing. And when we got to Bruce's house, which was quite a ways away, right? It wasn't the 40 miles, but, you know, it was, it was far away from where they went because it took them a while to get there on the ATV. He goes, we were going so fast on the ATV. And when we got to Bruce's house, we didn't even stop to open up the gate to the pasture we just ran right through it we were so terrified that whatever was out there was chasing us we smashed through the gate and he goes listen guys if you don't believe this story yet it gets even weirder because he said what happened was we smashed through the gate which was not they knew that was not a smart thing to do they smashed through the gate the ATV hits a ditch. It goes airborne. The ATV and both men are holding on. The ATV goes airborne, starts to roll, starts to do a front roll. And then Toby says, the next thing I remember is the ATV is on all four wheels. It landed perfectly. It's sitting completely still. Both me and Bruce are completely unharmed. And we are right next to my truck. He goes, that that was absolutely impossible. When we started flipping, I realized we were both dead. Bruce's wife was going to come out of the house, find two people crushed by an ATV, the gate smashed open. And no one would have any idea what we saw out there. No one would have any idea why we were running away so quickly. We smashed through the gate because we were both dead, right? You just would find two people crushed by an ATV in your front yard. You're like, ah, you wouldn't think this must be the work of the wolf, man. They must have seen one of those werewolves in the wilderness. No, you're just two dead people in your front yard. He goes, but that didn't happen. The ATV, and I don't remember landing it. I don't remember not having my head smeared across the ground. I don't remember anything. I just remember us doing a front roll. And then we stopped. We're just stopped. We're perfectly stopped there on all four wheels. I can't figure that out. And that's not even the weirdest part of the story. So we already have a werewolf man ripping a hog in two. We have a insane and some would say impossible stunt done in the middle of the night on an ATV and nobody got killed. They both have no idea what in the world happened, not just with the werewolf, the dog man, but with this. When they come into the house, when they go to Bruce's house, Bruce's wife, she sees them. They're all just completely shaken up by the events but one of her first questions was, where are your guys' guns? And that's when Toby realized, oh, what? We left the guns there. Like, it was so terrifying what was going on that we actually dropped our guns and ran, which is completely uncharacteristic for really any hunter. Especially if they think they're going to be pursued. I mean, if you're going through, like, really tight branches, you may not want to have a long-barreled rifle. You're all fighting through it. But for the most part, you take your guns. They didn't even remember losing their guns. They had no memory. They had no memory of dropping their guns there. And when 
Bruce's wife said that, where are your guns? Uh, Toby goes, it can keep the guns. <laughs> We're not, we are not going back. We'll go to Walmart and buy brand new rifles tomorrow. There is no way... We're going back out there tonight. There's zero possibility. I don't care what's out there. We're not going back out there. Well, Bruce is safely home. Remember, Toby lives 40 miles away. Toby is like, oh, and I have to drive back to my house at night by myself. So he gets in his truck, heads home. He drives the 40 miles. He gets to his house. Parks the car. Hops out. And as he's walking to his front door, he sees, sitting there on the ground, his rifle. That's a crazy story. This is one of those stories, right? That if it's true, this was a real experience, it ranks up with one of the weirdest stories that you can come across. There's so many different things happening in the story. If it's fake, I apologize for wasting your time. It's an interesting story, but I just don't like telling fake stories on here. It's almost too good to be true because there's so much amazing stuff going on here. And it's one of those stories we'll never really know whether or not it's fake or true because the people who told it, it was told anonymously, right? And then it was published on Phantoms and Monsters. But man, what an insane story because we do have three big different elements going on here. We have a werewolf, right? We have a werewolf story, which we don't cover a lot on this show, not because they aren't cool, but because they're Barely rare. We do. I do come across Dogman sightings from time to time, but they're basically like they're the equivalent to a Bigfoot story, right? I was in the middle of the woods. I saw a dog walking on two legs through the woods, and then uh, it walked away. Even those are rare. So we have a werewolf ripping, <laughs> ripping a hog in half. Right, that right there. That's interesting. And then we have the story of this. Which, this, the story of the ATV accident in and of itself is interesting. We've covered stories like that before as well. These guys, they should be dead. They should have been killed in this ATV accident. And remember, he doesn't remember it. He goes, we went airborne, I start to notice we're rolling, and the next thing, the ATV is perfectly sitting right next to his truck, and they're still on it. He doesn't remember anything after the front roll, which I imagine... Out of all the different ways that an ATV can roll, they're all dangerous, but a front roll is in the top four directions that you can roll that would probably kill you on an ATV. And it's not like he remembers it coming to a stop or they all their heads nearly touch the ground. No, he doesn't remember what happened. That in and of itself we would classify as a quantum immortality story. An accident that should have killed two people not did not only did not kill them but then just had some odd factor to it it just didn't happen like basically like it didn't happen at all they the atv had perfectly come to a stop and they don't remember it they don't remember stopping they just remember it being stopped and he does say he goes i have a feeling that something unnatural saved our lives like he goes after this he goes i did not go out i still don't 
I do not go out after dark unless I absolutely have to. And he goes, I've never been back to that creek or that river ever. But when he thinks back to the flip, it's so funny because the, you have both of those things happening. Two unbelievable things. You have a quantum immortality event where you should have died, but then reality switched and now you're, you and your buddy are alive. And then you have a werewolf showing up. And then on top of that, you have the werewolf attack. You have the ATV accident slash quantum immortality story and then you have the fact that whatever this beast was in the woods that could pick up a 30 foot tree and throw it at you knows where you live right he knows where you live he doesn't make a mention that bruce got his gun very politely dropped off at his house it's almost like whatever this creature was wanted Toby to know he knew where he lived in a fairly subtle way. Like a mafioso's threat, right? The wolfman could have easily been waiting at the house for him, or Toby gets home and his entire family's been gutted by this beast, and then the creature hops out of the closet and goes, Miss me now? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he showed up and there were giant claw marks on his door or his kids, all their guts had been ripped open and the wolf's like, <laughs> I thought they were piggies, but they were people. And then he jumps out the window. No. Like, in the most subtle, threatening way, this creature let Toby know, I know where you live. Here's your rifle back. He said it was about 20 yards from his front door. There was the rifle. And not only did this creature know where Toby lived, it got home before he did. It's a fascinating story, really. It's the fascinating story of two men with modern hunting equipment, state-of-the-art, almost, you know, science fiction, being able to see in the dark. They're out to track down a feral hog, but instead they find themselves in the crosshair of a beast long rumored to just be a fable. A half-man, half-wolf creature living on the outskirts of society. With the strength of a dozen men and it knows where you live. Terrifying. Terrifying story. I love this one. I'm glad I was able to share it with you guys. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great week.